Blog Talk Radio. Forces you to slow down and focus, and really 
respect every single moment of it. It's really remarkable. It's so beautiful. It's 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 sort of it's a strange thing to say, but it's sort of like ballet. Oh, I see what you're saying. Absolutely, there's certainly a grace to it, and um, kind of I, I, nobility, maybe for lack of a better term, of just. It, well, it's just, it's exquisite. If if anyone gets the chance, they should do it, uh, participate. But if anyone gets the chance to even just, I mean, I'm sure it's on YouTube, you can find a full tea ceremony and it's worth it because it's, it's everything from, you know, how you, the angle with which you drink to how a door is opened and closed and just every single part of it, there's such specific attention to it that it just reminds you how everything is miraculous and how everything really does deserve that level of attention and how you can elevate anything just through your attention. Isn't that interesting? It's that that people have these elaborate ceremonies for something as simple as a cup of tea and and it's it's that's two countries I just mentioned. England and and Japan and it's just an amazing Japan the way I said it was so weird Japan um (laughs) but it's just it's so amazing that it's so incredibly orchestrated and important and beautiful well I also think part of it is just realizing the power of rituals to all of us and I think also just You know, tea is timeless. It's been around for thousands of years, so it makes sense that a comfort like that would have such a rich history that you can really draw on and you can really make it into something bigger than it. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it it goes beyond uh, class. It goes, you know, there's there's just no. How do I put this? There's a way for tea to fit everyone, whether you're on the go, whether you are looking for drama, whether it's just a bit of comfort that you need. It's one of those things where it's so deeply ingrained in our human behavior that there's all of these layers to it. And I think that's what the tea ceremony sort of brings out in us or uh, what having high tea reminds us of. It's, it's, It's elevating the simple into the extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it, there, there's also like, um, I forgot what country it's from, but there's a chocolate ceremony too, for drinking chocolate. Uh, sign me up for that. Yes. I know, I love chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I was, because um, I studied archaeology and, and the umbrella for archaeology is anthropology, so I took a lot of anthropology classes too. And I remember watching, I think it was in... Guatemala or some place like that but it's a big deal it's like because the chocolate was not for common people the chocolate was only for the kings and their family so it was a big deal and so we were at a presentation at an anthropology show and I just was amazed it was gorgeous (laughs) It sounds exquisite. I'm, uh, uh, I'm happy to sign up for that as soon as I'm able to. Me too. I'm, a, I'm happy to sign up for anything. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I, I, I've been reading a lot. To be honest, I've been reading a lot. Um, have you? 
I have actually. I started a, a book club with one of my very best friends. Uh, we've been using this video app, and we've been taking turns reading chapters back and forth to one another, and it's been really amazing. We've because part of it has been books for fun, but part of it has been books that are maybe more of a technical nature. That it, it's the kind of thing where you can sort of, um, if you if you aren't obligated to read the next chapter, it's the kind of thing you could put off for months. And uh, we both had some books like that on our list, so we decided, you know, these are ways to both enrich our lives and to knock some stuff off of our list. So, so we've read some really interesting things this year, and of course I've also been reading things on my own, but my favorite book the last year was Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Hmm. I just found it extraordinary. It's a... It's a Essentially, it's a memoir, but it's a series of chapters that each sort of deal with some different element of her life, and it is just exquisite. It made me laugh. It made me weep. It just is an extraordinary work, and everybody that has the chance should read it. I think you'll get something from it. I read um, several books I really loved. One was The Lady Lady on the Train. I think that's the name of it. It's about mm-hmm. Agatha Christie. It's really good. It's it's one of my favorites. And the other one was a, a biography from Natasha Wagner. Um, she was writing about her mom, about because uh. um, I some of the stuff in that book shocked me. One of it was well, she, she found anything about old old Hollywood can be shocking. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it was more like. That they allowed that out on the radio before the family knew that Natalie was dead. Yeah, yeah. And she found out at 11 years old by a uh, when, um, clock radio that her mom was dead. Oh, heartbreaking. I was shocked and I, I started crying. I'm reading a book and I'm crying. Oh. I mean, 11. That's just so horrible. So that yeah. that was one. I, it was it wasn't like favorite because I was. It was more favorite because I really felt for her, because it was about her. It was it was about yeah. her trying to have a relationship with her mother, that reached beyond being eleven. Right. Um, it was very very interesting, touching, but those were the two that really touched me this year. Totally different reasons. Well, I will put those on my list. I I think that's something that, you know, as we age, women in particular, I think we all sort of become more interested and sometimes downright obsessed with trying to figure out our, our parents' stories, but particularly our mother's stories and, you know, how and why they made the choices that they did, how they became the people that they are, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it, it's, it's something I know that that is endlessly fascinating to me. And I assume with most people, because I certainly have that discussion fairly often. Yeah, I um, I actually been writing a lot of radio plays based on not so much my mom, but my mom was the inspiration for it. it was about my grandparents and my oh, great grandparents, nice. even though I didn't know them. My great grandparents. <laughs> That's a great way to explore family history. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, and it's the, I, because I have all my mom's stuff. 
um, her family. So it's it's like as I'm digging through, I'm finding more and more interesting bits. I mean, I also found a lot of my mom and dad's love letters, which <laughs> and oh, my I grandma and grandpa's delightful. love letters too. <laughs> Oh, how fun. That's so sweet. So, yeah. Um, weird. And I don't know if it's weird, but I had to read them all. Oh, I think you have to. I mean, it's such an, you know, there's virtually no power more exquisite than love in someone's life. And so getting to witness that, that part of your parents' life that you otherwise would not have access to, oof, I think that's huge. It was. It is. And the thing is, is that I, I already knew my dad was a good writer because he, he, he'd written me some lovely notes and I and he was a writer but he was so romantic it was really cool <laughs> oh that's lovely yeah I mean even when we were kids he would go away to a business trip and he was only d gone for one day and he would write something like it's really ridiculous to be writing knowing I'm going to see you tomorrow but I miss you that much and it's just, oh, just so lovely you know have you ever discovered something like that about your family um, some little secret about your mom and dad or your, your relatives your older relatives you know after honestly I feel like that happens to me every year uh, and I, I think I like to think that I know my family well, but you know we all know pieces of our pieces of individual family members, and you know it, that's actually been one of the gifts that COVID has given me is that I've had so much more of a chance to have really long, beautiful conversations with different family members, and you know there's we all make assumptions and we all sort of have the idea of what our family's story is or what that relationship story was and it's you know it's really interesting to talk to people and to get their perspective but also to get their perspective now that they're looking back on something and you know how they see it now e you know even if these are discussions you've already had but it was a decade ago or something like that so that's been really interesting I've had some some fantastic conversations this year that that just uh, you know everything from from I did have actually a discussion with my mom about her falling in love with my dad and you know just the the timing of that and the family dynamics that went into it and you know just all of the stuff that is part of the story that you don't realize necessarily is part of the story because it's it's not the exciting romantic part necessarily but it's all of the the stuff that goes with it. It's all of the, the things that can be perhaps mundane, but they're incredibly important within the story, too. It is really interesting, too, because um, I had a lot of conversations with my grandmother and grandfather, but I realized something after they passed was that my grandpa was in World War One. I. I know that because he loved to tell a story about his dog in World War One, that he was scared of ordnance and he ran under the bed and stuff that made us laugh. But I realize now, and it's too late to ask him, I don't know where he fought in France. I don't even know oh. where he served. 
I don't know anything except about Rex, who he called Cupcake. Yeah, well, that was probably the, the only story that felt child-appropriate and not uh, traumatizing to revisit. But it, you're right, it's unfortunate you don't know that information. But I have to imagine there might be ways to find that out. Yeah, yeah, probably through, like, those uh, research things that they have. I forgot what it's called. You know, like finding your roots, they give you the phone number for Ancestry.com. That's the one. <laughs> right. And just, I feel like military records are, while they might not be perfect, they certainly exist. So there's questions that you can still have answered if you want to spend the time. Yeah, that's true. I know much more about my mother's maternal side than my mother's paternal side. I, Grandpa didn't really, he was lovely and chatty and he loved us and we had fun with him. But... We really don't know very much about him. My brother and I were talking about it. It's very odd. It can be. It's it's funny, though, when you're looking at um, the blanks that need to be filled in and realizing, you know, some of those pieces are so big when you hadn't really noticed that void before. Yeah. And, and I guess I noticed it more because my mom's gone now. Right. So I don't have that link. I can't ask her either. I mean, really, if you have a chance to talk to your parents, your grandparents, your uncles, your great uncles, and stuff like that, talk to them. Listen to what they're saying. It's good. You're going to want it at some point in your life. <laughs> That's true. And also, you know, I mean, everybody likes to be witnessed. So, you know, your desire to hear those stories is also honoring their desire to share them. I think so. I think so. When you study as an actress a part and you and, and something that really touches you because I've noticed this both as an actress and a writer when you're studying something that really touches you does it make you think about something from your own life and I don't mean like 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 what I was just telling you about like you were st- you say you're, you're doing a World War one drama about two people in love and one's in Europe and one's in New York and then you are studying that do you think that would like make you think about your own grandparents oh I think you never know what the triggers are going to be but certainly I'm always open to that um, whether that's through my work or through just the daily basis I think those are clues we should all be paying attention to um you know, it's it's scientifically proven that we all have uh, traumas and memories that come down through our, our lineage and through our DNA, and I think you really have to be aware of and pay attention to the things that, that spark with you for reasons you have no idea about, mm-hmm. because it means, you know, perhaps it's tied to you in some way, or maybe it's just your intuition illuminating for you that there's something about that experience that has value or it leads you in the direction of some information that you needed to know or you know that that changes something for you so so certainly I mean I'm always paying attention to things like that but it's of course entirely unpredictable I think the the key is just well it's the, the same key with life is just really being open to it and open to what something is trying to tell you 
and you know allowing experiences to be as big as they can be so just being open to the layers that they might have to offer you I think that's so true and I also think it's true like when you're reading a novel and something just hits you right in the face don't just go oh that's just something in the novel no no there's a reason something like that hits you you need to look at it and see what it is that is affecting you I think that all art, whether it's poetry or music or a film that you saw or a, a, a performance artist that you witnessed, if something sparks within you, you were meant to see it. And that could be for any number of reasons. It could be just because it was something beautiful that resonated with your soul, or it could be a piece of information that has something to do with your personal history. It could be new information on a problem you're working through or a new perspective on a life experience that you had had and now this gives you just a little wiggle room to be able to see it differently and understand it from a new perspective and I just think there's enormous value in that. So yes, whenever a piece of art or anything for that matter, whenever something sort of speaks for you or lights up for you in some way, it's worth paying attention to. I agree. It's very important. I think it's good for your soul. Oh, absolutely. I think it's the entire point of being human. I think the the way that we interpret the information around us is that's what our life is. Mm -hmm. So make it as rich and layered and investigative as possible. I think that's one of the things I love about art and seeing art and watching movies and listening to music and reading books is it's it's that's the layers that's it that's what we're here for <laughs> yeah yeah it's true i mean all art is some sort of expression of the human experience so it's witnessing maybe it's your own experience or maybe it's witnessing something that is completely foreign to you but this gives you a key into the understanding of it. So being able to communicate that way is sometimes so much easier than trying to communicate with words, especially if, you're, if it's a tricky subject or a, a, a situation that is kind of complicated to navigate. You can have new access to it if you're seeing it through something that is less challenging. So if you're reading a book that happens to touch on that subject, you might suddenly have this deeper understanding that you wouldn't have otherwise just because it came to you in a way that was more flexible, more fluid for you to, to digest. So any time that you have the option, I just think soak it in. And I just, I just think there's, there's no way that you can overvalue art. And I don't mean dollar value necessarily I don't mean like the price of the Mona Lisa I mean you know culturally we sometimes think oh why should we spend money on art when we should be spending money on this municipal XYZ and obviously that stuff is important but I think sometimes we sometimes we negate how valuable art is to every single human every single day oh yeah 
just you know and I mean whether that's the design elements in you know as we were talking about earlier maybe that's your teacup and your teapot and you know how it makes you happy because of visually how it looks or how it works or it could be the art that you pass that's in the the courtyard of the building that you work in or it's you know it's the music it's it's just the the tapestry of life that is around us all the time that makes our life what it is so I just I, I just think whether you consider yourself an artistic person or not every single person is influenced by the art that is around them all the time I agree I think it's so important I mean and this time that we've pretty much been kind of isolated and enforced to be by ourselves, what that's what people are turning to. Books, yeah, absolutely. music, movies. That's what people were, are leaning on and, and using as a lifeboat. You know? Well, it is so much the way that we are still able to connect as humans is through our stories and and uh, in whatever form that is so it's whether it's reading novels or whether it's uh, you know the TV series that is about a family that makes you feel like you are closer to your family than you physically are able to be right now it's all expressions of our humanity that we are craving right now because we're feeling so starved for it yeah and it's true because humans are meant to interact that's what we're here for to learn from each other to be with each other to love each other and this isolation is so weird (laughs) yeah yeah weird is the perfect word for it because it's not well as you said it's just not the way that we're meant to function and it's you know it's at moments maybe it's scary but that's not really what it is it's it's just this psychological challenge that so many of us are going through right now because it's it's just not the way that humanity is meant to engage with one another. This is a strange question, but did you watch any movies or TV shows that you normally would not watch, but you just were filling in time and then you kind of liked it, even though it wasn't really what you thought was your cup of tea? A hundred percent yes, although terribly I can't think any off the top of my head. Um, I've certainly done more binge watching this year than any year of my <laughs> life. Uh, I also have done a lot of um, diving back into stuff that had great memories for me that I haven't revisited in years. So making a list of movies from my childhood that I loved, which has been hilarious and amazing because some of them have absolutely stood the test of time and are gems that are just amazing. Others, I'm like, what has happened? (laughs) Because some of it just is not timeless. Some of it uh, just does not translate to our our current culture uh, and, and ways that that you just didn't realize back then because it was the only, you you had nothing to compare it to. And of course, you know, time just does what time does. But yeah, certainly I've seen a lot of things this year and, you know, I, I noticed uh, apparently online there were a ton of people like the on Netflix, the number one show was Contagion and the um, number one movie was Outbreak. And that, I have to tell you, is the opposite of my experience. Yeah, I, I have. For things that it made me feel good and made me want to forget 
current circumstances. Exactly. So that I was the last thing, thing I. I'm sorry. I was going to yes. say that's the last thing I wanted to see. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. It just I could not think of anything that my nervous system would have hated more. But I was looking for things that were beautiful mm-hmm. and had a bit of fantasy to them, or it made me laugh, or just I was just looking for stuff that made me feel great in whatever way that was. So it might have been a comedy, it might have been a romance, it might have been uh, an adventure movie. You know, it was just stuff that made my senses feel satisfied. I agree. I, I absolutely agree. That's what I was doing, too. I was, like, watching a lot of stuff from when I was young. And then also stuff... I was watching some stuff my mom and dad liked, and I was like, okay, don't get it, but I love you anyway. <laughs> Aw, that's great, though. It's nice to have that sort of communion with them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my dad loved things like King Kong. I just, I mean, the original with Fay Ray. Right, right. Um, even when he was in the hospital, very sick, uh, one of the videos we brought him was King Kong. Oh, see, it's like comfort food. <laughs> yeah. Then I was watching it, and I'm like, because it came on regular on, on cable, and I was like, Daddy, I love you, but... I still don't get it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, and my mom watched this, loved this old movie uh, that was during World War II called G-Girls with Olivia de Havilland. It was the silliest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> they made a lot of those back then, but Olivia de Havilland is so extraordinary. I mean, you really can't go wrong with her. Oh, she was wonderful. She was wonderful. It was the script that wasn't that wonderful. <laughs> Sure. Well, that was probably back when they were making a movie a week, you know? Yeah, exactly. And doing stuff for trying to lift people's spirits and make them patriotic and all that stuff. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But I watched that. I was like, because my mom was, oh, I wish they would show that. It's a really wonderful movie, G Girls, with Olivia Havilland. You have to see it. And so finally it came. And I watched it even though she passed. And I was like, um, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I still love her. I mean, there's a lot of movies she loved that I love, so it's just a rare thing. <laughs> sure, absolutely. And same with my dad. I mean, my dad introduced me to The Day the Earth Stood Still, which is still my, even with all the modern science fiction movies, that's still my favorite. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just, you, you reach back trying to get that connection when you're not allowed to have really any connections right now (laughs) yeah very true very true so um i know that you had a couple of projects that you were working on um one of them was called dreamcatcher were you able to complete it uh yes luckily um dreamcatcher we actually filmed before the pandemic. Uh, We had expected it would come out last year, but the pandemic pushed it. But luckily, uh, it actually comes out March 5th. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it's, uh, it will be available worldwide March 5th. Uh, In the places where theaters are open, it will be available in theaters. And for the rest of us, it's available on streaming. And um, I can't tell you the exact details, but my understanding is you won't be able to miss it. It's just going to be everywhere. 
So it's Dreamcatcher. It comes out March 5th. And uh, it's not going to be for everybody because it's, it's uh, I call it a sexy little thriller, but it definitely borders on a horror movie. Uh, it is, oh, it's, it, I have so much that I could say about this and I'm trying not to um, get to it. Give any plot line away. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I have to be very careful not to uh, spill the secrets. Um, basically, the movie is a, I call it a sexy little thriller because it takes place at a rave. I play an agent that represents the headlining DJ. And at this rave, chaos happens. People um, uh, people start dying, and it's a it's a thrilling adventure ride for those who are in it for that. But I have to say, the reason that I'm I'm so charmed by this experience is because I play the agent who is basically she says out loud what the inner monologue is of everybody watching the movie. <laughs> so. So I have these great one-liners. I just, I'm a totally selfish, self-obsessed woman who cares only about money and doesn't really care at all about all of these horrible things that are happening to the people around her, which I have to say is such a joy to play. (laughs) Hilarious to watch. It was so freeing because it's, you know, it's really the opposite of my personality. I'm sort of the girl who's constantly jumping in, trying to fix everything and worried about everyone and mother henning everybody. And this was the exact opposite. I mean, I just play this absolutely cold hearted person who could not care less about the terrible decisions these, you know, quote, kids are making at this event. And uh, all she cares about is the profits from (laughs) from the evening. So it's really it's it's really quite fun to watch, and um, you know my my favorite description is the original description uh, that the writer wrote. The writer director, his name is Jacob Johnston, and his character description is Coco Chanel meets Elizabeth Bathory. Ooh. And I read that, and I was I hadn't even read a word of anything else. I had just read that one sentence, and I was like, oh, I am in. Those are two references that I could not be more in for. So, you know, kind of the worst female that's ever lived in history combined with the most fashionable female that's ever lived in history. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a it's a pretty delicious combination to get to play. With no so, filter. Uh, uh, say that again? With no filter. <laughs> yeah, exactly, with no filter. Like, she just does not care, which is just so freeing. It's really, really lovely. So uh, I, I hope that you'll check it out. It's it's a lot of neon and, you know, EDM music. So, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. But at the same time, during COVID, everybody is, you know, looking for escapism and you know so even if horror is not your normal cup of tea it might uh scratch an itch that you didn't know that you had and either way i'm certainly really proud of the performance and had an extraordinary time making it it's a really fun cast a lot of up-and-comers and it's it's just beautiful to look at the the dp was fantastic and was able to light it in really extraordinary ways which just make it look it's to me it's like candy you know it's like candy on the screen because the colors are vibrant and bright and 
rich and sparkly and you know it's it's a feast for the eyes so so you know you can't go wrong with that it sounds amazing i'm i'm not really a big horror fan but i just the your description is great (laughs) well i have to say i mean i'm not a horror fan either and and it was so funny because when we were making it none of us really felt it was a horror movie which is not to say that we're idiots (laughs) it's clearly a movie about people dying but it it's it's so layered it's you know all of the characters the the writing is really beautiful and the characters are very layered so you know it's not the you know oh no the girl goes down to the basement making a really bad decision you know it's not it's not just that it's it's a bunch of people that are dealing with different issues in their lives and then this crazy situation lands on top of them while they are already, you know, trying to navigate these other issues. So, you know, it, it makes for a very, in my opinion, a really layered film and, um, you know, something that I'm, I'm proud to be part of even when, you know, you also can absolutely say that it's a horror movie and they, they came out with a, the trailer came out last week. So everybody can, I'm not sure when this episode will air, but the trailer just came out in January and uh, there's probably going to be more trailers which give you a little bit of a vibe of the of the piece but it just it it just it makes me laugh because it's all of those things like when the when the poster came out it's this classic horror movie poster and all of us were like oh oh right it was did we make a horror movie <laughs> So it's kind of all of those things, and and uh, anyway, for whoever whoever seeks it out, I hope they enjoy the ride. And uh, so you think it's going to? What was the date in March? You said I bet I missed it. The fifth of March. Fifth of March. Okay. And uh, and you said it was streaming everywhere, and it's in yes. theaters limited. Yes, in theaters wherever that's possible. Um, my brother and I have been talking. <clears throat> we think that they should bring back the drive-in. <laughs> oh, well, they have. Um, there's a drive-in here in Los Angeles. I mean, drive-ins have been thriving this year. And in fact, um, Dreamcatcher was supposed to come out late last year. They had, I mean, it wasn't official because they were still trying to navigate COVID, but they had decided at one point that we were going to launch at the end of last year and we were going to do it specifically at at drive-ins. And what surprised me is there's so many more drive-ins that still exist than I realized. I had no idea. And there's certainly, I mean, they're certainly not as prolific as normal theaters by any means. But, but to me, this was sort of, it was just a surprise to me to learn how many of them still exist. So I guess what I'm saying is if you and your brother want to go to a drive-in, I would bet money that you could, within an hour, definitely within two hours of where you live, you could find a drive-in theater that's still happening. I like to. I know that. I know there's a drive-in in L.A. I just don't know if there's still a drive. I know there's a drive-in theater in San Diego, but they use it for a swap meet, so I don't know if it's an actual drive-in theater. Oh, it's worth it. I remember going to the in the summertime. I remember going to drive-ins uh, in this town where I grew up, and. The bad thing was that there were mosquitoes like crazy there, so that was not fun. But every other part of the experience was so much I, fun. I, I loved mean, it. Yeah. Yeah, just really, really great. And right now, when we're all just craving having an experience, I mean, regardless of what movie it is, I think everybody should 
you know, seek that out because it's something you can do that is fun and satisfying and safe. And safe. So, you know. Yeah, totally safe. You're you're in your car. You bring your own snacks. You don't have to go and do anything. Just go there and eat and watch the movie. See, exactly. <laughs> and the way most, I don't know, I mean, this could be different now, but uh, but I believe the way that most movie theater uh, drive-ins work now is, you know, they just pump the sound in through a specific radio channel. So, you know, you're not even have to, like, you're in control of your own sound. You're in, It's just, it's, it's a pretty, um, you know, sort of hermetically sealed experience in terms of, you know, not being risky. So, so yeah, I think it would be a fun one to have right now. Yeah, I, that's nice to know that there that the one I the one I know of in LA it's in the Hollywood area. Is that the one you're talking about? You know what? I have no idea where it's located cuz I am someone who has still not had this LA experience. Oh. So I, I honestly don't know. Although my understanding is there's actually more than one and my I mean LA, I don't know about San Diego, but Los Angeles is famous for doing outdoor movies all summer long yeah. so there's i can off the top of my head i can think of 10 different venues that do outdoor movies and several of them have not been able to of course yeah that's what's but here several too. of them have figured out ways to continue just with social distancing and you know i'm i'm hearing of of different ways that they're coming up with um you know, like the, I think the top of, what is that called? The Americana or, um, oh, those fancy outdoor malls that on top of the parking structures, they're actually turning those into places to have um, outdoor movie events. Really? Like so I guess what I'm saying huh. is that there's there's creativity out there right now where people are finding new ways to make things like this happen. That's cool. Was it like the Beverly Center? Is that the one you're talking about? Uh, it's, it's, it's not the Beverly Center, it, the Grove, the Grove. Oh, the Grove. It. Yes. Okay. I was just, I was like, okay, fancy one. Okay, that's in Beverly Hills. <laughs> 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 that's what I was trying to, what models are there? Um, been a while. Um, so, and you have another project? I can, uh, I, I, March, can touch actually, I, I hesitate only because with COVID, who knows if the dates will change, but I am attached to another film right now called Manifest that is supposed to film this March. So uh, I will keep you posted on that. Um, I can tell you one other thing that came out since we talked last. Um, uh, I did, I'm trying to remember her name right now, Luann, Luann Wilkins is a role that I played in Star Trek Online. Uh, the latest incarnation of that, which came out, I want to say maybe it was November. Uh, but anyway, that was such a hoot. So for anybody who likes gaming, uh, it's the latest chapter, the latest uh, offering from Star Trek Online. And she's the southern hacker. She's this computer whiz kid. And just with the hilariously crazy southern accent and uh yeah she was super super fun so uh if you are a trek fan check that out so you're playing a hacker <laughs> um exactly but it turns out that when you do that on voiceover it's really easy <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do anything <laughs> exactly i don't need to know anything about computers 
I like that concept very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the other thing I wanted to know is, are you doing any virtual events? You know, the virtual conventions and stuff like that. Um, I'm certainly open to them, but I am not currently scheduled for anything like that. Um, the closest thing I can connect to that is I, this year after COVID started, I made myself available on Cameo. So Cameo has, uh, you know, just an endless list of people that you can connect with and they're starting to offer new ways to connect, but it's basically, uh, you know, sending video messages to people. So, you know, I, I've, oh my gosh, the most exciting thing that happened on Cameo this year is that I was asked to ask someone to marry another person. So I'm the, I was the linchpin between two people getting engaged. Wow. Pretty exciting. That was kind of amazing. And then I'm also part of something at, uh, at the same time, I also joined something called Rave VIP, which I believe they're, slightly rebranding to be called with um anyway you can find it on all of my information uh but it is live video chatting so i make myself available a couple of times a month and it's basically a one-on-one uh meet and greet like you could have at a convention and uh but of course it's all done virtually it's all done either over the computer or over your phone whatever you have access to so it's two ways that you can still connect with me and you know i'm i'm eager to see when and how appearances start to to come back around i think you know my expectation is we really won't have normalcy with that until next year um i just think there has to be a very significant portion of vaccines finished before it makes logistical sense to start having events with that number of people in that close proximity to each other. Yeah, I, 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 I've been discussing that with other fans, and they've all been saying the same thing. You know, nobody wants to uh, go someplace where there's unprotected people. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and the thing is, it's both sides of the coin. Nobody wants to go to an event that's supposed to be fun and end up sick. Yeah. And equally, no event wants to be trying to put on a great event for the fans and get people sick. So, I, you know, as much as we're all itching to get back out there, I think the, we're just all sort of really learning patience right now. Maybe this is a lesson we're supposed to be learning, to be patient. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think it is. I mean, you know, I have never been more envious of other human beings than I am at this moment with Australians I know (laughs) you know just everything I have I have several friends that live in both countries and you know just to see them living their best lives right now so you know it's it's funny to me that apparently we needed to learn that lesson and they didn't (laughs) exactly philosophical ways you could look at all of it but generally speaking for humanity, I think it really does, as awful as it's been and as overwhelming and incomprehensible as the loss has been, I do think that there are beautiful lessons that we can take away from it because mm-hmm. so much of humanity was living lives outside of themselves without much focus on their interior lives and interior work and, you know, their the things that are 
in the end, we all know we're the most important. And this really forced a lot of people to have to come face to face with that. So, you know, I think there's benefits in there somewhere. And also, uh, that connection should be real. That makes you realize that your connections aren't superficial, that they should be real and layered. Um, It's another lesson I think people are learning right now. Mm, Certainly with a lot of people that's true. I mean, the one thing that I think has been really exquisite about this experience is that it just doesn't allow people to be surface level with one another. And it has forced everyone to have so much more compassion with each other because when you check in with someone, you have no idea what their life has been like the last year. You don't know if they've been sick. You don't know if they've lost loved ones. You don't know if they're stressed out to the point where they their mental health is on edge. So when we check in with people, instead of being, you know, sort of demanding or uh, inflexible with, you know, say the timing on how they respond to us, what I've noticed is that this year we're all approaching each other with more compassion, which I think is a really beautiful thing. And that when we do connect with each other, inevitably the conversations are bigger and deeper, even with, you know, even with like the dishwasher repairman, you know, I mean, you know, it's not just with your nearest and dearest or even with your friends and coworkers that where it's opening up more, it's even with the, what would normally be the barest of an interaction even that has gravity now that it didn't have a year ago. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Uh, I, I've touched base with people and they themselves have COVID or their family members have COVID. So far, Knockwood, no one has passed away, but they've been really, really sick. Mm, yeah. It's very, very scary, and you just don't know. And you, I mean, you, you shouldn't approach someone like a gangbuster, you know? You don't know what's going on. It's true. And I mean, you know, particularly in the United States, our numbers are... Really high. Like I said, incomprehensible. I mean, it's it's just not something that we were built to understand. It's numbers that we really can't understand. But certainly, certainly we, we, we do have the capacity to be gentle in how we are connecting with one another. And I, I've been pleased to see that in, in large ways that is happening. I think that's good. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, are you going to be going to uh, the Xena Convention when it does happen? Um, uh, well, to be perfectly blunt, I haven't been invited. So. Oh, you didn't get invited? <laughs> no, no, I did not get invited. I mean, I know they have, uh, you know, just a certain amount of stage time, and uh, I had not been invited. Huh. So, certainly, if I were to be invited, I would happily go. Um, I certainly believe it's not going to happen in April. I'm sure it will be pushed. Yeah, I think so, but too whenever it does happen if there is space available i mean you know me i adore the fans i adore the cast so there's as long as i'm in town and available i would love to be there so yeah absolutely 
It's shocking because it's the big anniversary. I really didn't know that you weren't invited because I was. I I kind of lost track once I decided that I couldn't go. <laughs> oh, I completely understand, and I mean it's it's just one of those things where sometimes I think we forget how large the cast is. <laughs> so, you know, so there literally is only so much um, uh, time and space that they have in the schedule. Yeah, that's so true. So we shall see. Okay, well, I'll cross my fingers and toes. I don't know if I'm going to go, so if I can go, I will go. But um, perfect. But you don't know what's going to happen in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Never has a truer statement been made. We just don't know. Uh, for the people who haven't heard, do you have a website? And um, what is your uh, handle on your... I know what it is, but could you tell them what your handle is on your social media? <laughs> uh, sure. Um, AdrianWilkinson.com is my website. And uh, my handle is YoAdrian. It's <laughs> Yo underscore Adrian W. That's my Twitter and my Instagram. And Facebook is just my name. So you can find me all over the place. Tell them why you picked Yo Adrian. Oh, come on now. Um, anybody who doesn't know that is too young for me to uh, <laughs> try to educate. <laughs> I mean, of course, of course. It, it stems from Sylvester Stallone and Rocky, and Adrian was his partner, and he used to say, Yo Adrian, all the time. <laughs> and the truth is, when the world was normal, I would hear the word Yo Adrian pretty much every single day of my life. Uh, it would be really a really rare day that someone wouldn't say that to me, and not people that I knew, but just anyone in a you know a waiter, uh, it just anybody that was hearing my name for the first time. This is what they inevitably are compelled to say to me. So I just hear it all the time. So uh, it used to be kind of annoying, but then I just decided to embrace it. So there you go. Cool. Um, thank you so much for taking time out to be on my show. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Oh, Sherry, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry.